Welcome back to True Crime San Antonio. I am just another San Antonio native, and thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show, we cover crime from San Antonio, Texas exclusively. Back for another week. Thank you to all my listeners who've been with me since the beginning, and I appreciate any and all newcomers. I also appreciate when somebody lets me know if I've made a mistake. And last week, I brought you the story of Aaron Castro. I mispronounced her mama's name. It's Rena. And I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name, Rena. You and your family are doing an amazing job with what you do. And I hope you guys keep it up. And thank you, Angela, for correcting me. It's much appreciated. This week's story, I bring you from 2007. It's a story of a beautiful life lost. Someone who could have and would have made a difference in our community. It's a story about murder, but it also has a twist to it. It's one that may not be closed, even though it is in the books. But in the end, we may never know. I got no true crimes of the week, because the story's about an hour long. So sit back with us. Think we're good. Here we go. Episode 21. Warning, this story depicts accounts of violence, sexual assault, and adult themes that may be found disturbing and unsuitable for some. Listener discretion is advised. Sometimes, we allow people in our lives who don't have our best interests at heart. And sometimes, they bring people around who really don't. It was Friday, June the 29th, 2007. A rather cool day, especially for the summertime in Texas. All wasn't well though. San Antonio police, along with Comal County sheriffs, were led to a shallow grave about 150 yards on private property off a two-lane road through rolling pastures. In the 6,000 block of FM 482, police identified the victim as 26-year-old Deliza Bullard by a tattoo on her ankle. She was found in a shallow grave at 2.30 p.m. on that Friday, several hours after a team of investigators and cadaver dogs descended upon the scene. For hours, investigators meticulously excavated the shallow grave and combed the area for evidence. Deliza's body was later taken away by medical examiners. They were led there by the story of her roommate who told police where to find her. The roommate, as we're going to call her for her privacy, and I'll go further into that later. Well, she called police on Thursday, the day before Deliza was found, and claimed that her and Deliza had been held captive since Tuesday, June the 26th, three days earlier. She said they were raped repeatedly by their attacker. The roommate told police they had been abducted at knife point and tied up in their neighbor's townhouse next door to theirs in the 1900 block of Locksburg on the city's north side. The 22-year-old roommate claimed that during the repeated assaults, Deliza would find a way to break free from her binds and attempted to call police. But the man caught her, confronted her, choked and beat her to death. The roommate told police that she knew Deliza was dead because she stopped struggling and that the man placed her in the trunk of his car. She said he then forced her into the car, and the two drove about 25 miles to Coma County, where the grave was dug and Deliza's body was buried. 
The pair then returned to his townhouse, where the roommate claimed she was raped again. She told police she eventually convinced him to release her by promising she wouldn't contact authorities. While investigating the woman's claims at the townhouse complex on that Thursday the 28th, the man arrived home. He ran from his residence and was arrested after a short chase. It took several officers to take him into custody, and he fought them the entire time. He even tried to take a police officer's weapon in the interview room. San Antonio Police Department Chief William McManus arrived in a helicopter that day to the area where Deliza was found and told reporters later that investigators had searched a private property the day before and returned on Friday after learning more from the witness. He confirmed it was Deliza and it looks as though she had trauma to her face. Early Friday morning, the man arrested was identified as 28-year-old Kevin Wesley Jameson. He was taken to Bear County Jail and charged with capital murder, aggravated kidnapping, assault, resisting and evading arrest, and trying to take a police officer's weapon. He was held on a $1,073,000 bond. By Friday evening, the yellow police tape marking the area as a crime scene still hung around the perimeter outside Jameson's house. Two officers stood guard in their marked cruisers while residents hung about, walking their dogs and gossiping about the unusual police presence outside the building where both Jameson and the two women rented units. This is a very peaceful neighborhood. It's very family oriented, a resident named Mary said. Outside Jameson's residence Friday evening, his former girlfriend, Liz, stood with her nine-year-old daughter and talked about Jameson. She said she initially arrived at the complex to meet with his father, who she said had left the area because he didn't want to speak with the media. It's hard to believe, I just don't know. He's not that type of person, Liz said. The reporter noticed her fiddling with an engagement ring Jameson had given her about a year earlier. The two had been dating almost nine years and were working out differences when they separated about a month before the murder. Kevin Jameson was employed as a contract security guard at a CPS energy facility. He had lived in his three-bedroom townhome for about a year. Until he and Liz split up, they lived there together with her two children and her other daughter from another relationship. Liz said that while living there, she hadn't had any conflicts with Eliza or her roommate who lived below them. While speaking with the San Antonio Express News, Liz received a phone call from the jail. Tears started streaming down her face as she spoke to him. Are you guilty? What's going on? I love you too. I love you too, she said. She asked Jameson whether he committed the crimes. It's not us judging, she said. You are going to be judged by God. Deliza's family didn't live in town, so they were unavailable to comment that day, but they were made aware of their daughter's fate by authorities. Friends of Deliza's held a vigil at Hanks High School on Saturday, July the 7th, where she graduated from in El Paso. The wake was held on Sunday at the Hillcrest Funeral Homes, and the funeral was held at Community Baptist Church on Monday, June the 9th, where her parents, family, and friends said goodbye for the last time. Now here's where the story is different from any other I have done. There was only a handful of articles I could find from 2007. However, I did find comments made by people close to those in this case. I wasn't looking for them. At first I was just happy that I found people who were remembering Deliza. If you know my podcast, you know that the end of most of them, at least the recent ones, I've been trying to do in remembrance of because that's the person I want to remember when I'm thinking about these cases. It's not often that I come across posts after posts after posts about people's favorite memories of someone they lost. But Deliza, or D, as most of her friends knew her, had that effect on everyone she met. 
I was reading each one of these and simply taking in who she was when I saw a post by Liz, Jameson's ex. It read, I am the girlfriend of the person who did this to Deliza. My heart is with her family. I didn't know her well, but I never had a problem with her. It is a shock. People might be judging me as a bad person, but I am not. I didn't do this and I never saw this coming. I saw comments made by the killer. The only person who knew him is me. I was his soulmate. I don't understand how he's capable of doing this to a sweet girl. We both thought she was sweet. Kevin and I would say hi to her when we saw her outside. May she rest in peace. I pray for her family and friends to get through this. I pray that I can get through this. As you all know, we have children together. This is really hard on them. No one probably cares, but I am voicing how I feel. Kevin has a troubled past, but I changed him in so many ways. I feel like a failure. Such a failure. How can I do this to Deliza's family and to my family? What kind of person am I? I'm sorry for everyone's loss. May her spirit live on, and the memories of her remain in everyone's heart forever. Her words were understandable and kind, if you ask me. The comment about the killer was made by a guy named Mark. He posted, The killer, Kevin Jameson, lived with my wife and me prior to moving to San Antonio. He's a bad seed, a demon. He's actually my wife's sister's son. I'd say nephew, but that sounds too family-like. We made him leave our residence due to his demonic nature and sociopathic behavior towards women. I thought it was a one-off, so I just kept reading on. Again, tons of people who pay their respects to Dee and her family. Almost a month went by with no other mention other than the stories about Dee, and a reporter looking for people to talk about her because he had no luck tracking down the family. Then, Liz posted on July 24th, If anyone knows about the relationship that Deliza and her roommate shared, please contact me. From what I have heard, they didn't have a good relationship. Maybe this is why her roommate is responsible for this tragic murder. Evidence Once the trial is set, there will be evidence of the relationship that the roommate shared with Mr. Jameson. Someone with a username close friend posted a couple days later. Everyone believes that she had something to do with it. There are so many twisted stories that it's hard to believe that she was just a victim. I don't believe it just because I knew her and how she was. Everyone that met her did not like something about her. Soon, the justice will be served, and she will get what she deserves. I pray to God that the day comes soon. She would wear the title of a great actress, making all of the people that she hung around believe she was a victim when her actions spoke differently. I thought to myself, wow, that person really didn't like this girl. And how was it they were so sure she wasn't a victim? It just seemed wrong to deem someone who had just went through such a traumatic event a great actress. But I don't know. Either way, I read on. This posted again. Guys, I know Kevin's side of the story, and he asked for a lie detector test, and also asked the detective to give the roommate one. Did they give them one? No. I don't want anyone to feel that I am taking a side because I am not. The roommate gave many different stories as to what happened. She also called me hours before Kevin was arrested, wanting to know if our relationship was over forever. I told her no. I did and do love him, and knowing him for nine years, he can't kill a person. He did anything for his kids. Why would he give all of that up? I am in the dark on a lot of things, but the roommate was seeing my ex before this happened. I talked to her one night because she answered his phone. I was very pissed because a woman was answering his phone, so I wasn't very nice to her. Well, I wasn't mean, but I demanded her to tell me who she was. Anyways, when she called me the day Kevin was arrested, she pretty much was demanding for me to say that it was over. Nothing makes sense. Nothing at all. Killers don't leave witnesses. Kevin doesn't trust people very well, so there is no way that she could have begged for her life. I know him. We had a boring life. We weren't into partying. We were good family people. We loved being with our kids. I just want the right person to be charged with the murder. I can imagine how upset people are, but they don't know everything. 
They only see what the media says. That is what I saw and I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. Now I see so much more and nothing makes sense. Nothing at all. I am so happy to know that other people are seeing that something isn't right. I feel very bad for Deliza's family. I would do anything to help them. She also asked if anyone who knew the roommate would talk to her lawyer. Then, three days later, a close friend responded. Justice does need to be served, that's right, but not only with the roommate, with Kevin too. His hands aren't clean, you know. I can't believe she had a relationship with him. She sure did hide it pretty well. I never knew about it. Liz responded, I agree. As Kevin stated to me, no one deserves to die. Why would he get involved? That is a question that will never be answered. So she never told anyone about the relationship they had? Maybe it was just a friend with benefits thing, but phone records show that she did. I just want the trial to come, but that's going to take years. As I told the detective, DNA results will prove everything. Close friend responded, It seems like you, Liz, are trying to get people to believe that Kevin is innocent and maybe feel sorry for him. That's not the way it goes. He might not have done all that to my friend, but himself, he participated in it. So he ain't safe, you know, or innocent. If he has not done anything, why the hell is he in jail now? Innocent people don't go to jail. I just hope he goes there too. Soon. I know you love him and believe what he says because no one can go against their heart. But truth be told, and the fact to prove that him and Kristen killed my friend, I don't mean to be rude, but just from reading all this defensive stuff gets me mad because someone's done it and none of this will bring Deliza back. After that, there were a few posts slamming Liz for defending Jameson, to which she defended herself with, did I ever say that he was innocent? No. I said he isn't capable of murder. She then claimed the roommate was blindfolded, but questioned how she could lead the cops to the burial spot if she was blindfolded. Fair question, I suppose. If you remember, the roommate led them to the area, but it took an extra day to locate the fresh dig site. Maybe because she was blindfolded, I don't know. Liz said Kevin ran from the cops out of fear of taking all of the blame for it. A few days went by, and the next series of comments were made. On July 31st, Lauren posted, From what I hear of Kristen, she was pretty crazy, and had a tendency to lie. I know she was insanely jealous when it comes to intimate relationships, so I am not at all surprised that it could have sparked this turn of events. I don't know the kind of relationship she had with her friends, but I know her MySpace. She didn't get along well with girls. The funny thing is, on it, she was praising Deliza and calling her her best friend in the pics I have seen on the club website that she used to work at. They looked happy. I guess looks can be deceiving. Like I said, she had a tendency to lie and was jealous, not to mention didn't mind flaunting her assets. I'm not saying is guilty or innocent. You make your own judgments. If you've noticed, I censored out the name of the roommate for her privacy. I'm not her judge, jury, or executioner close friend responded, Liz, I know what you're trying to do improve, and I hope everything gets solved, but one thing I can tell you, and I've heard it with my own ears, she wasn't blindfolded when she was in the car with him taking Deliza's body to bury it. See? So many twisted stories in here, I hate it. And for Lauren, yes it's true, she lied a lot. She had those signs of jealousy, but that never crossed my mind that she was capable of doing something like this. That's if she had anything to do with it which a lot of facts are pointing at her too. I am one of the girls she hung out with, the girls that she mentioned in her MySpace profile. We took her in when she had no friends or anything, but never imagined this to happen, especially Deliza, that took her ass into her place when she had nowhere to go. Liz responded back, I am aware that she wasn't blindfolded, but I am going off for the facts that were in the police report and what the police report said. Many, many people who have seen the different stories told in the police report all say, where is the roommate? She is involved. Mercy, posted on July 31st, I just really hope all this gets solved, that my best friend rests in peace and that we, all that loved her, get justice. I remember seeing the name Mercy 
and went back and found a post by her early on. She stated that Dee was her best friend, that she worked with her for about a year at USAA, and that they had become very close. She wrote on, It's obvious that so many stories, so many things being said, might or might not be true, but we don't know. I just hope that they catch whoever had anything to do with her murder and that person or those people pay for what they did. He, she, they took something very special from us. A piece of us is gone with her. A heart that will not heal for so long and the pain that's still here. It's true that she hung out with us, but we never saw anything like this coming. Like they said, we took her in out of nowhere. She was our makeup girl. And I guess our friend, I don't know what to think anymore. We just need closure, a justice to be served. Liz, I know you're trying to get all this solved. You might or might not believe that he did it, and I understand you love him, and you believe in him and what he says. But you know, sometimes we really don't know the people we care about and love. Perfect example is We loved her and never thought anything bad about her. But you see what's going on now. We still don't know for sure, but all we can do is wait. Liz replied back with an understanding that all they could do was wait and once again expressed her sympathies for Dee's family and friends. Another writer who Liz said was probably a family member and reporter of Jameson's told Liz that she just needed to move on with her life in regards to Jameson, that what he did wasn't a reflection on her or her kids. And Mercy agreed, mostly out of empathy for Liz's children. The person responded that they had no blood ties whatsoever to Jameson. Liz replied with, move on with my life. Would you tell this to Deliza's family to move on with their life? When you have children with a man, you don't move on with your life. When a relative dies, you don't move on with your life. You learn to cope with it. You teach your kids right from wrong. I have to live day by day explaining to my children why this happened. When my daughter asks me if her daddy is going to be there when she goes to school, this breaks my heart. When my daughter asked me what happened to our neighbor, what was I to tell her? There is no moving on. Maybe it's easy for you to move on with your life because that's what reporters do. They move on. They pry at grieving people's lives to get what they want. Once they are done, they move on. I am glad you chose the profession you did. My children are subject to this if I like it or not. There are no choices when it comes to this. As I can tell, you don't have children, so you don't really have any advice to give on how this will affect my children. My love for them is what they need. The last thing I need is for my children to be brought into this blog by you. I am here to sympathize with what happened and to find answers. The great mother that I am will show my kids growing up that no matter what happens, without God, faith, and hope, you don't have love. If you don't have love, then you have nothing. I apologize to Eliza's friends and family for bringing this up. The last thing you need is to hear this when the person you love so much is gone. May she rest in peace and in everyone's hearts. Mercy responded with, We understand that you can't move on with your life. It's fine. But how are you going to ask if we would or ask Eliza's family to move on? She is dead. And of course they won't move on for a long time. On the other hand, for you, it is easier. He is alive. You can talk to him, see him maybe. We can't do the same with Eliza. Liz posted, I'm sorry, but I'm trying to make a point. There is no moving on. There is coping. I'm not asking if you would move on. I'm asking if she would say this, referring to the first person who told her to move on. This was followed up with back and forth comments about trying to get to the truth and still be respectful, but no matter what, Eliza was gone. The next day, someone asked why did the roommate wait to talk to the cops, and I'm not sure what they meant by this question. As far as I have found, the roommate went to the cops on her first opportunity, or at least that's what she said. As with everything though, that could be wrong. A couple days later, Liz posted, you have questions just like I do. I am not about gossiping at all, but from a close source, her and her fiance were breaking up. I didn't know her, so I can't say this is the truth, but this is what I heard. Mercy replied the next day, No, her and her fiancé never broke up. He was actually here, 
in San Antonio staying with her and Eliza at Eliza's apartment. And he was here when Eliza was murdered. But as far as I know, I don't know what's going on between them two, and I really don't care. They were referring to the roommate and her fiance, who I didn't know other than from these comments had also been staying at Eliza's home. Where was he that night? Right? Username Nobody posted the next day on August the 2nd. I knew the roommate for some time and I know for a fact that she had trouble keeping friends. That's why I find it hard to believe she would have helped in the demise of one of the few that she did have. Jason would lie a lot about dumb stuff. That was the weird part. She lied about stuff nobody cared about. She talked crap about people all the time. Like if she saw a girl that looked better than her, then she would bash her. I also felt sorry for guys she dated because all their friends usually didn't like her because she was so attached, like at their hip. It was sad. If she stopped dating someone, she would still keep in touch with them and tell them stuff just to make them jealous. Usually lies and usually they didn't care, but that's how she was. I just accepted it because I figured maybe she had some issues with herself. She never stayed with the same group of friends too long because after a while they would see through this. That's why it's hard to believe. Why help in the demise of one of your only friends? Mercy responded, Okay, so what do you mean it's hard to believe? You think she had something to do with it or no? I'm not here accusing her that she did, but so many fingers are pointing at her. And yes, it's true, she does lie a lot, never stable with her friends, but she stayed in our group for quite a while, since last October, total of 8 months. That's when we took her in as our makeup girl, but I really don't know if she had anything to do with it. I pray to God that she didn't, cause that would break all of my girls hearts, including me, after all that we've done for her. Nobody wrote back. I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm just saying that she didn't have any other friends, why kill one of them? I don't know. Anything could have happened in that apartment. I don't think we will ever know the truth, especially if Kristen was there. But I hope for your sake and your friend's sake that she didn't have anything to do with it. So basically she is back to square one, no friends, no boyfriend, and no life. That's sad. I hope she works out her issues so that maybe one day she can maintain a good relationship with people around her. Maybe hold on to her friends. I shouldn't feel sorry for her because she does it to herself. And she is quite manipulating. But I can't help it. She needs help. A few days later, a close friend wrote, I don't think she will have any friends after this. She is in too much spotlight now. People will probably be scared to be around her. There is no way she will ever again maintain a circle of friends. And I hope she don't. I don't think she needs any kind of help. She's just an evil person with a fake-ass smile and an effed-up life. Nobody posted. Have they, cops, even questioned her about her involvement, or is she just going to go about her business? Does anyone know? Liz replied, The three different stories that she gave don't match up to anything. I can't wait to go to trial. I understand that she is going about her business, but she might be watched closely. The detective wouldn't even give Kevin and the roommate a lie detector test. Screw the justice system. If the roommate was involved, she chose the wrong man to help her. She doesn't know the type of person I am, but she will one day. She's not getting away with anything. She is a liar. I see through all the lies. I'll see her in court. The next series of comments were about how this page was supposed to be about Deliza, not the killer or the roommate and what's going on with them. The blog owner indeed confirmed that the site was set up for victims and not to glorify the killer. Liz was very understandable and in my opinion never once glorified Jameson. Another poster commented that it was a crime blog and compared to other pages on their site this one was pretty tame. They weren't wrong. Another couple of weeks went by and someone asked for updates. On August the 14th Username Convinced posted, I still think the roommate is still a victim in all of this. We should not jump to conclusions. Deliza believed in people and saw all the good in them. There had to be a reason she had her in her life. A close friend replied, I know the reason Deliza had her in her life. It wasn't anything special. Roommate wasn't a big deal for Deliza. She just felt like taking her in because the roommate seemed like a loner and needed friends. 
and of course, with Eliza's big heart, she brought her into her life. Roommate had to have something to do with Eliza's murder, my heart just tells me so. And from seeing and shortly after the murder and the way she acted, no remorse, no pain, no tears, nothing. I knew she had no heart. Liz responded, I agree with a close friend. I think people who only see what the media says is what people believe. For the people who actually seen all the different police reports, they all agree that the roommate had something to do with it. For the close friend who saw how the roommate had no heart, that convinced her. When a woman is raped, she either tells the truth or she tells no one at all. Women feel ashamed when they are raped. This is why so many women don't tell people they have been raped. I'm sorry, but someone who lies about such a thing is guilty of something. We weren't there, so we really don't know what happened. Evidence will prove everything. Thank God for technology. When this day comes, my heart will be at rest. A wonderful person has been taken away. For what? It's very sad. There isn't one day that goes by that I don't think about Eliza. I didn't really know her besides saying hi to her, but I do pray for her family. Mercy posted about seeing Eliza on that Tuesday night before she was murdered. It was the last time she heard her say I love you. She told Eliza to be careful and to text her when she got home. She never did. She feels like if she had gone to eat with her that night, this wouldn't have happened. Survivor's guilt. It's not your fault, Mercy. It really isn't. A few weeks went by and username nobody posted. So the roommate is leaving? Probably she couldn't handle things. I don't know. She is going back to her real hometown. Sad. I don't really believe in running from your problems, but some people are stronger than others. I hope she finds peace. Before all this happened, she was all about partying and being seen and showing off her body. And now she's all good girl and loves her family. Like I said, I hope she finds peace and the real her, not this phony she pretends to be. Good luck. Liz replied, I will see her in the near future at the trial. Does she think that people don't know what happened in her hometown? can't run from your problems. People will know who she is because I know lots of people there. They all know what happened. They all suspect her to be more than just a victim. There is no sense in running. Be a real woman and deal with your problems head on. Don't back down. How can you turn your back on what happened? It doesn't make sense to me. It seems like there is some guilt going through her mind. If I was in her position, I would be standing by the real victim's family. The victim who never had a chance to see the next day. May Deliza rest in peace. Username Fox22 posted a few days later. I knew the roommate. A couple days after this happened, she decided to tell me the story. The girl had absolutely no emotion whatsoever. I'm sorry, but if I apparently just saw my roommate murdered and was allegedly raped and kidnapped, I wouldn't be driving around three days later all by myself telling the story to whomever will listen. She didn't cry, tear up, nothing. It was like she had it all rehearsed, and it was outrageous from start to finish too. Nothing made sense. Needless to say, I haven't seen her since, because I think she had something to do with it. And I thought she couldn't leave town too, so why and how is she moving? I would love to be at the trial to see her get convicted. Liz replied, From a close source I know she is split to her hometown. I thought she wasn't able to leave as well, but I guess she is now able to leave. How could she have no emotion? Nothing makes sense to me either. Believe me, I know that my ex is an innocent, but maybe they should be investigating the roommate as well. The roommate is denying ever having a phone conversation with me. She did call me and ask me if the relationship that Kevin and I shared was over forever. She is a liar. She told me that she wasn't a homewrecker. WTF. So basically, until the evidence is out, it's words against words. There will be no hardcore evidence for a while. I can't wait for the trial. I hope everyone who cared for Deliza and for the people who know the roommate might be involved attends the trial. I think a lot of us need answers. All we can do is have patience and wait. I wish none of this ever happened. It is sad to even think about it. They then went back and forth, discussing how it could take years to go to trial. Liz will post again on October the 2nd. And again, all this is happening in 2007. 
kidnapping and capital murder against Kevin Jamieson had been dropped. Apparently they have found some type of evidence that proves that he didn't kidnap these two women and rape them. I am assuming that it is the autopsy report, but I could be wrong. For all of the people who believe that the roommate was involved, I think that the feeling you had was true. Nothing can bring Deliza back, but everyone needs to know the truth for the sake of Deliza's family and friends. She was right. According to Kevin Jameson's court records, his charges went from capital murder to murder, and the kidnapping charge was dismissed. This could mean that there was evidence proving him innocent of this, or that the DA wasn't comfortable charging him with something they couldn't lock down. And to me, I think it was the latter rather than the former. Just my opinion. The next series of comments only proved that emotions were raw, and talking about something painful eventually boils over. They reminded Liz that the blog was for Deliza, and she fired back with all she wants is justice. If Jameson was guilty, then so be it, but victims exceed past who was murdered, referring to herself and her children. An outside observer agreed with Liz, but Mercy wasn't having any of it. She went off on her, saying she was putting up a front with her comments about Deliza. It was clear she was hurting. Gotta say though, Liz handled it with grace and reiterated what she felt and had already said. Mercy understood and just asked that she stop posting about him. They were cordial to one another after that. There weren't any real updates other than Liz claiming she didn't know about the relationship between Jameson and the roommate until a few days after the murder. Which I believe is the phone call that she got from her on that Friday and the murder happened on Tuesday. So that kind of lines up together. Then, while awaiting trial at the Bear County Jail, 28-year-old Kevin Jameson took his life when he hung himself with a strip of his uniform on New Year's Eve. After his arrest, he was initially put on suicide watch. He was being held in a segregation unit for high-profile inmates when jail guards found him on that Monday as they went to serve him dinner. The San Antonio Express News reported that he had a troubled personal history and he was found hanging from a plumbing fixture. He left a suicide note which was paraphrased to, I'm sorry, tell the kids. His mom Kelly said in a tearful interview that she spoke to her son early that morning and he said, you don't have to worry about me anymore. She said she had pleaded with administrators to continue keeping Jameson on suicide watch, but she said they had objected to it. As a mother, I find it very hard to accept what has happened, she said. Jameson had been cleared from suicide watches by jail psychiatrists and had not shown any signs of being a danger to himself in recent months. He was the fourth suicide at the jail in 2007. Jail suicide is a constant part of the business that we're in an administrator for the jail said in an interview. And it really is. Apparently there were interviews with the San Antonio Express News the previous summer, but I couldn't locate them. In the interview though, I found snippets that said Jameson admitted to being an accomplice in the death of Deliza, but denied actually strangling her. By the end of that interview, he told the reporter, I'm probably going to die. You can imagine the disappointment in the comments after the news. The fact that they all knew at this point, we might not ever know the truth. There really wasn't anything to mention in the comments until 2012. Kevin Jamison's ex-wife posted, I don't know what to say at this point. I am just finding out about this now. I am the ex-wife of Kevin, and I was not surprised at all when I heard about this tragic loss. I left Kevin for the same things that happened in this crime. He actually spent time in the same jail for strangling me. I just want to say that I am thinking of the family that lost Eliza. I am so sorry. It could have been me. I tried to warn Liz in the beginning of their relationship before there were any children in the picture, and she knows it. It could have been her. I truly am sorry that it was Eliza. Even though I loved Kevin a long time ago, people never change. I would have never put it past him to do such a horrible thing. Now that he is really gone, I can stop living in the fear that he will show up on my doorstep one day. I guess you could say that I was one of his many victims. He was only 18 and I was 20 at the time when we were married, but it still seems like yesterday. 
I keep his last name to remind myself to never fall for a man like him again. So many women are now safe that he has ended his life. I really wish he hadn't ended one before the fact. And sure enough, Kevin had an assault causing bodily injury charge in 1998. He was given deferred adjudication and sentenced to one year of probation, probably because it was his first and only offense until, well, you know. After that, the comments were among the same lines. The answers died with Jameson. And so that's where that ends. At this point, I did look up the roommate as much as I possibly could and found a couple things in a couple other counties she went to. A theft charge that was dismissed and a fugitive warrant that was dismissed. And nothing else since, nothing here, criminal-wise. And as far as I can tell, this case is closed. The case itself may still be an open file in, in San Antonio Police Department, but I highly doubt it. It's now been 15 years since Eliza's murder. I mean, at this point, I know a murder charge has no statute of limitations. So if in a year, 20 years, they find evidence that could prove that the roommate was involved, they'll charge her. But I seriously doubt it. Now, I would have never done this story with most of the content coming out of a way of a blog because all of those comments, they are what they are. They're people giving their opinions, either on the case or the person or just their thoughts in general. And you take what somebody says at face value and you hope it's the truth, but you report it as it is and that's it. Now. I've read many, many different stories, many different murders and people who committed them. And even in the most heinous ones, you could find somebody who had something nice to say about the person. And everybody that came on this blog, there was not one person that had something nice to say about the roommate. That was shocking to me. I thought one person would at least be defending this person. And the only defense that somebody put up for her was that we don't know the truth that we have to wait until the evidence comes out. Well, the only evidence that's there dropped the aggravated kidnapping and capital murder. And again, that could have been because the DA knew that they wouldn't be able to get the felony one capital murder. So they capped it at murder, but it probably got him about 40 years. I don't know. We will never know. And like I said, I would have never done this story with most of the content coming from a blog, but I did it because I wanted to tell Deliza's story. Not of her tragic death, but of all the life she lived before that. For as many people who wanted to talk about the case, there were three to four times as many people who wanted to share their personal memories about her. It was amazing to see the impact she had on so many people, how she can make everyone feel like her best friend and treasured. So, as we do on True Crime San Antonio, we remember Deliza. Deliza Winshell Bullard was born on January the 20th, 1981, to Betty Joe and Leroy W. Bullard Jr. She was the youngest and baby sister to Nate and Fred. Her father joined her in heaven seven months after she was taken. Deliza, or Dee, as most of her loved ones called her, had a way of making her impression upon people last a lifetime. Joy was Deliza's cousin. She called Dee free-spirited and said that she will miss her laughter and funny stories at family Christmas Eve gatherings and most of all her positive and loving energy. She knows Dee touched many lives in a positive way. Jessica and Jeanette were neighbors of Dee and grew up with her as little girls. They spent endless hours playing together. Jessica said she was always a vivacious soul and soul full of energy. I never saw her not smiling, she said. Jeanette said that her enthusiasm, joy, and pure zest for life was infectious. 
Andrea knew Dee since elementary school. She said Dee was the kind of person that you could not get enough of. She had this infectious, positive attitude, kind spirit, and fabulous sense of humor. She was always the one to be there for her friends and make you smile. She touched so many lives and left an incredible impression in each of our hearts. Dee could steal the stage when she sang and danced on the worship team in her church. She had a presence to her that everyone around her couldn't help but admire. Dee graduated from Hanks High School in El Paso, Texas in 1999. She was a cheerleader and in marching band. And I even found someone that said she was in track. She was very athletic. Diana, who went to Hanks with her, said she was always the life of the party. She couldn't remember ever seeing her upset about anything. That she was always so happy, nothing could bother her or ruin her day. Her big smile was what she will always remember about Deliza. Devette said that Deliza and her were band geeks together. She was always such a joy to be around with and always had fun doing anything. You could always count on her to brighten up any situation and she had the courage to speak her mind and that she admired her for that. And I found a few people who said that even though this girl was full of life, energy, and fun, that if she wanted you to know how she felt, she'd let you know. Andrea, who was also in band with her, shared the same sentiment. She said there was never a dull moment when she was around. If ever there was something that put a cloud overhead, she would be the sun that brightened up the day. She wasn't afraid to live. David said she was his number one choice for dancing partners at all the quinceañeras and parties back in high school. She was an awesome, great, fun-loving person that always kept you on your toes. She had a great love and respect for her family and friends, and there was never a dull moment with this girl. Roberta remembered how she could talk to her and tell her anything. She was one of the most trusting persons that she had ever known. Ever since she met Dee, she remembers telling her how she had a place in her heart. She was just so sweet and you couldn't help falling in love with her. Roberta said Dee and her would talk and laugh and could never shut up. Dee used to come over to her house in high school and they would quote, study, but then their minds would float off and they would start talking and before they knew it, one, two, three hours would pass and they realized they hadn't even studied for the math test the next day. Dee said, don't worry dude, I'll spend the night here and we'll sleep a few hours and wake up at five in the morning before school and study and then go to cheerleading practice at six. They didn't wake up in time. Roberta said they would be at practice and Dee could never stand still. You could be talking to her and she would be moving her hands and hopping around all crazy. She was always doing a move while you were talking to her. She said she won't ever forget Dee's laugh. And that Dee was funny, energetic, hyper, intelligent, and so much more. She was unforgettable. Amanda still remembers Dee dancing to the drum line during the football games with her friend Christina. Her favorite of her dancing moves is when she would do an exaggerated running man, or when she would break out and dance when you were having a conversation with her. She did it a lot. You knew she was interested in listening, but there she was dancing. Amanda said she was honored to have her as part of her court in her quinceanera, a memory she will hold on to forever. And I found a lot more people who talked about how they knew Dee from high school and they would go to the clubs over there. Dee just loved to dance. It was her passion. Dee would move to San Antonio and ultimately acquire her master's degree at Our Lady of the Lake University, or the lake as students call it. She made even more lifetime friendships there and enjoyed dancing in clubs where she was dubbed the mom of the group, always making sure her girls were taken care of. Arlene was Dee's roommate at the lake. She said Dee was a beautiful and intelligent woman and has never met another woman with as much life as Dee. Sarah too attended the lake. She remembers Dee walking around campus some days with a hot pink wig on. It would crack her up to see her with it on and Dee would just smile and say hi as she walked by. She loved putting smiles on people's faces. 
Dr. Odom said he had the pleasure of having Deliza as a student in one of his graduate courses at Our Lady of the Lake University. He was most impressed with her energy and passion for learning. She told him that she would one day be the CEO of her own company. But for this tragedy, he knows she would have achieved that goal. Tamiko left posts about how she shared tears, heartache, joys, and many celebrations with Dee during their years at the lake. One of her fondest memories is when Dee and her would talk about what they wanted out of life. She remembers Dee thanking her for being like a big sister and teaching her so many things that she never knew. Her heart was so full of love and she was willing to help others even if it meant she had to go without. Dee even opened her home without hesitation to Tomiko's family when Hurricane Katrina made her family evacuate their home. She had a profound impact on Tomiko's life and to her she was more than a dancer more than the life of the party. She was a divine spirit with a heart of gold. One of Dee's closest friends at the end was Mercy. She had never met anyone in her life that could be so energetic, full of life, with a huge heart and so much potential. Mercy said when Dee danced, she danced with her heart. It seemed like everything else would disappear around her. Just her, the dance floor, and the music. She wasn't ready to say goodbye to her friend that she loves so much and will miss her with all her heart. Her friend Jeanette wrote a little poem and I'm going to read it to end. She had a nature you could not help loving and a heart that was purer than gold. And to those who knew and loved her, her memory will never grow cold. And that's our story. I hope you take some time today to live life to its fullest. And like Deliza, open your heart without hesitation. If you're a fan of the show, show your love with a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to help us grow. Let me know your thoughts on Instagram at True Crime San Antonio. Would love to hear from you. Truly. This has been True Crime San Antonio, and I am just another San Antonio native, hoping to see us through. Take care.